Thank you, choir. Fear not. Amen. A good word for me this morning out of Hebrews 13 in my quiet time in that regard. Take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 2 on this Pentecost Sunday as we've been preaching for these seven weeks about the Holy Spirit. And we come today to Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday, which is in our church uh, calendar life out of our uh, Jewish heritage of those feasts that you find in the Old Testament. And many of them, of course, foreshadow the coming of Christ and are filled with symbolism. And Pentecost is one of those. This uh, day of Pentecost comes 50 days after first fruits. Now, first fruits, of course, is Jesus' resurrection, Easter uh, for us, Resurrection Sunday. He is the first fruit. Uh, of our resurrection. And then seven Sabbath days plus a day. Seven, seven, 49 and plus a day. That makes Pentecost a Sunday. Seven Sabbaths and a day. And so it was on a Sunday when 120 were gathered there in the upper room and they would have celebrated Pentecost that day until it was <laughs> interrupted. The feast was interrupted by a breakthrough of the giving of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost in Leviticus 23 was celebrating our Jewish forefathers with two loaves of bread. When you read in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, uh, a loaf in each hand for the priest. And it was not unleavened. It was leavened bread. The wheat was ground, but leaven was there and it would rise. But most of the time they used bread that was unleavened in feast because the leaven spoke symbolically of the sin being gone. But at Pentecost, the leaven was in the bread. There were two loaves symbolic for us of Jew and Gentile, the gospel for everyone. And also, the leaven is there, therefore sinners are welcome to the church. Aren't you glad sinners can come? Amen. Be tough, we wouldn't even have a preacher if sinners couldn't come. He wouldn't have many to preach to. Amen. Nothing but a bunch of hypocrites that said they hadn't sinned. Why, the building be empty. But you see, sinners are welcomed at the cross. And Pentecost is filled with that kind of symbolism and the bread being made of wheat and wheat, of course, uh, being emblematic of evangelism, the wheat and the tares that we bring the wheat unto the Lord. Well, it was in that setting of Pentecost that we come to Acts chapter 2 where the Bible says, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse number 4, when the day of Pentecost, the King James said, had fully come. And amen, I like that, that emphasis. It's not there in the original language, but uh, that's the emphasis here, that Pentecost had finally fully come. No longer is it a feast day only of the Old Testament, but now it has fully come, these 50 days. They were all together in one place. That's a miracle itself. Man, if you could just get all the olive together in one place and together while they were in the building. And suddenly, the Bible says, 
There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The church was born in an upper room in Jerusalem with 120 men and women in attendance when the Spirit of God interrupted Pentecost festival and made it the day of infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was a Sunday, just like today. The Holy Spirit baptism was given there to those in that upper room. And the dispensation changed forever. The Holy Spirit had always been at work. He was at work in the very first verse of the Bible. Well, when we find in the beginning God and the Spirit of God moved across creation, we find the Spirit of God. But at Pentecost, the Spirit of God came to reside within the believer. It's a new day in spirit life when Pentecost comes. And so with that, I want us to look at this day of Pentecost. I want to share four things with you this morning, then give a gospel invitation, invite you out of that balcony around to come, the ground floor and the wings to say yes to Jesus today, join this church today, come in brokenness before the Lord, saying, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. Lord God, come today. First of all, I want you to see what I call the promise, the promise of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, as you read a little farther down, here Peter, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, he was preaching and he is quoting the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, when he said that it shall be that in those last days that God will pour out his spirit. And, and when he pours out his spirit, uh, it will come forth. Your sons and your daughters both will prophesy. The young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And he, he talks about this day when the spirit comes. Pentecost is that day. Jesus promised it again and again. Look at these uh, places where Jesus made the promise. In John's gospel, chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said, but the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Jesus said, there's a helper coming. And then in John 15 and verse 26, we find that the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And then in chapter 16, beginning in verse 7, you find Jesus speaking. He said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will convict us of sin, because they do not believe. Righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus post 
resurrection, just before ascension, Jesus said, but you, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Joel spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it, made the promise, and at Pentecost, the Spirit of the living God invaded culture, and he did a brand new thing. He came to reside within the believer. Now listen to me. If you're a Christian today, hear me. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God has baptized you into Christ with a baptism of the Spirit, and that Spirit is a gift. It indwells you. It never leaves you. It has sealed you, and it will never go away. He is an earnest that is there. He is the down payment that will never be withdrawn. He is there forever. That is unconditional. Amen. However, there is a conditional side to unction and anointing. When you walk outside the way and will of God, the touch of God. I don't know that I've ever had greater response to a message than I did last week when I simply did this. <laughs> Where I've been in town, I, I've seen people across the grocery store say, hey, pastor. I said, I had a lawyer sent me a text this week. He said, I'm wrestling with an opponent. And he said, the dove keeps flying in and out of this courtroom. Hmm. <laughs> I spoke to you about the, the dove remaining on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit of God never leaves you. you you're, he, he's not going to leave you. You're not saved then and not tomorrow. He, he does not seal you and then unseal you. Know? you, you but the the anointing, the blessing, when God uses you. That's why in this green room right over here, I did it the first service. I did the second service because this service is not the first service. I, I walk in here. The last thing I do before I go out of there, I do three things every Sunday. I've been doing it all my life since I was taught to do it as a young preacher. And that is I raise my hands and I praise the Lord. I thank him for what he did in the early service today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then I put my hands out like this and I quote Galatians 2.20 and I say, Lord, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, I pray, oh God, I get dead to Ted. Because I'm telling you, the greatest enemy I got to preaching is me. I die to myself, and then I put my hands right like this, and I said, Lord, I'm not worthy, but Lord, I, I would pray and ask for your fresh unction and anointing for the preaching of the gospel at this service. I receive that. He says, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So while God is in me, I ask him to come in a way of being on me. And I'm telling you, God has promised and he has given us the promise. And Pentecost is the day we celebrate the looking back of Jesus' promise coming to the church. We'll never be the same after Pentecost. God has done a great work within his people. Secondly, not only we see the promise of Pentecost, but the pictures, the pictures of Pentecost. You find them right here in our text. They're in that upper room, 120 people, and suddenly uh, there came from heaven. Here's the first picture, a noise 
like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It was a noise. It doesn't say the wind blew, but it says there was a noise like a rushing wind. Man, if you ever been where there's a storm coming through, you can hear it. I heard it a few nights ago when it blew all these trees down around this church house. There was a noise like a wind. They're in the upper room. The breath of God. The wind of God has always been emblematic of the move of God. Ezekiel. 36, 37. God takes the prophet out and he says, I'm going to put a new heart and a new breath, a new spirit within you. And then he takes him out to a valley, a valley we call of dry bones. And those bones were there. And he said, speak to the bones. And, and then he said, speak to the wind. And he did. And the breath of God, the wind of God came. And that, that was bone upon bone upon bone. Now there was life within. Hear me, Olive Baptist Church, without the breath of God, this church is dead. Dead on arrival unless we have the breath of Almighty God. Jesus said the Spirit blows where it listeth and where it wills. And I'm telling you, when God finds a people with their sail up ready to go, I'm telling you, God breathes on that. Well, whether it's a country preacher in a little hamlet nobody's ever heard of, or whether it's Luther nailing theses to the door, or, or whether it is a Calvin when he's standing to speak, whether or not it's a young preacher in England that would say, oh, God, come in freshness. God touches down when his people have their sail up. The breath of God. We can sing and preach and teach and meet and give and do, but I'm here to tell you we're still dead if we don't have the breath of God within us. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I want you to hold your breath. All right, here we go. One, two, three. That's all I got. You can't live without breath. You can look like you're alive, but you're dead. And if this church is not breathing the Holy Ghost of God within it, we are dead, though we have religiosity all around. You can bang the cymbals and beat the drums and the keys and sing, beat on the pulpit and scream, but I'm here to tell you without the breath of God, we are dead. The first picture is that of a rushing wind that they heard, the breath of God. Then the second picture is in verse 3, and there appeared to them tongues. Glossé is the word there. Uh, we get glossary, where we get languages. There appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Can you imagine that, that upper room meeting? Well, they're just sitting there, and they're getting ready. they got a loaf in each hand, the priest does. Whew. 
And then tongue starts sitting down on everybody. A tongue of fire. And we got tongues of fire in our churches. James says some of them been set on fire with hell. The fire of, of God is not the fire of hell. These tongues, they, fire spreads and burns and purges and illuminates and warms. And that tongue came on them. Now, there's a lot of teaching here, and I'm going to be doing this through the next weeks as we come to two other passages where this is. But let me just give you a little insight today. This, these were languages because when you read beginning in verse 5 all the way down through verse 11, it tells us that the people began to hear and said, who are these Galileans? I, they're speaking in the language where I was born. Uh, verse 9, Parthenians and Medes, Elamites, uh, those from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, all the districts of Lystra. They, they began, and then he got down to verse 11 and said, we hear them in our own tongue speaking. What did they speak? They were speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they heard this. Though they were not speaking in their Aramaic language, they were speaking and these people were hearing it in their own language. Tongues is an evidential sign. And that evidential sign was first to the Jew, that's in Acts 2. It was secondly to the Samaritans in Acts 10 when Cornelius got saved. And the same thing happened to the Samaritans. It happened to the Jews that there was a tongue spoken. And then it happened to the adherents of the gospel of John the Baptist. Those that in Acts 19 were the most misunderstood texts in all of the word of God. Where in Acts 19 uh, that they said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. And they prayed for them, and they received the Spirit of God and spoke in tongues for the adherents of John the Baptist. The only other place you find tongues spoken of, of course, is in 1 Corinthians, the most troubled church in all of the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, tongues is the only gift that Paul builds fences around. He gives many things, and we'll talk about those in weeks to come. But he said, if you're going to speak, maybe more than three, just two, three at the most, must be an interpreter. Women can't do it. Not in the church setting. He builds a lot of fences. Some old, it's misunderstood greatly. But it wasn't misunderstood the morning of Pentecost. The touch of the fire of God came. And church, hear me. If we're dry and dead with no breath, we're just as dead if there's no fire among us. There's not a passion. There's not a fire for the gospel, a purging of sin, an illumination of the gospel. If there is not among us that, that a spirit that warms rather than is cold, my Lord, I walk into some church, you freeze to death. I don't mean because the air is turned up. I mean, because the spirit is frigid. Don't ever let it be said of this church that people are not welcome and that we are not warm and the spirit of God is not in us and working through us. God help us repent of that and come to the place that the 
sound of the noise of the wind of God is here, and that the sight of the tongue is set on fire from heaven in the midst of. Those are the pictures that we find of Pentecost. Thirdly, there's not only uh, what I see as the promise, but there's the preaching of Pentecost. Now, don't miss this. Peter, in verse 14, says he took his stand with 11, raised his voice, took his text from Joel chapter 2, and he began to preach. And you can read the sermon as that sermon begins in verse number 14, where he stands up and he preaches all the way down through verse 36. He had a three-pointer You boil all that down, Peter preached three things. Number one, Jesus died, was crucified for the sin of the world. You find him right there. Secondly, Jesus that you killed, he said. He pointed at those guys. He said, you murdered him. The same Jesus you put on the cross, you couldn't keep him in the cross because God raised him from the dead. He preached the crucified Christ. He preached the resurrected Christ in this text. And thirdly, he preached repentance to all of the people. And he said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he said to repent and believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hear me today, those of you that listen in this place that do not name the name of Jesus, if you're not a Christian or or you doubt your salvation, Jesus died for you. He went to the cross for you. But he didn't just die for you. God raised him from the dead. He's the great victor today. Nobody's ever done that before. He's one of a kind. He he is alive from the dead and he offers to you salvation and he says if you repent and be baptized, you will get the forgiveness of your sin. Now, there are, there's a whole church denomination that takes Acts 2.38 and says, unless you're baptized, unless you go underwater, you'll never go to heaven. You cannot find that within the context of the New Testament. The, the greatest illustration, of course, is the thief on the cross. He went dry. Wasn't a drop. Straight from the cross, Boom! He walked in. Jesus said, today you're going to be with me. Today you're there. They didn't baptize on the way to glory. Friend, if you get saved, you ought to be baptized. We had a gentleman baptized in early service today. Where I'm from, up on the mountain, there's a strong denomination that takes Acts 2.38 as their gospel. You must be saved, and if you're not baptized, you go straight to hell. Matter of fact, I, I as a young preacher, I, I had an old preacher told me one time, he said, you be very careful uh, of these people because behind their church, every one of them that believe this, they have a pond full of bullfrogs. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's a bunch of frogs on one side. When you walk out there early in the morning, you can hear those frogs croaking. They say, Acts 2, Acts 2. And you walk to the other side, they say, 38, 38. He said, that's all I know, Acts 2, 38, Acts 2. I've been some, and they, they, he's true, he's right. There, there's some frogs out there saying. Friend, let me tell you, you must repent and come to Jesus. And if you repent, then you are baptized. Come to Christ, be baptized. And when you come to Jesus, you're baptized. The Bible says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, Peter preached that sermon. My Lord, I'd love to have been there. 3,000 people 
join the church. I'm, I'm this church won the church growth award in one day. It went from 120 to 3,120 in one service. My Lord and mercy. I'd like to have been there that day. I don't know that I could baptize 3,000 people all by myself. I'd probably give out, but I'd get me some help. Amen. Amen. We go down to the creek, we, we, we multiple baptize. Just line them up, 10 at a time. Name of the Father, Son, wham, next 10, let's go. Jim, that'd take all afternoon they baptize 3,000, but what a, what a day, what a day. One old sister had never been saved. She didn't have the Holy Ghost. She's sitting over there and looking at her sundial on her arm. You know, preacher, it's 12. Yeah, but we're, we're just to 1,400. We got a ways to go. I'm here to tell you, in the church of the living God, when the breath of God is there and the fire of God is among people's lives are being changed. Amen. Thank God for the preaching of Pentecost. But then there's one last thing, and this is really the reason I brought you here today. And I don't have a good word for this. All of my pastors that are here, some retired, young, others. Uh, this is really not good homiletics, but I couldn't think. I, I just couldn't come up with another word. The point of Pentecost is my fourth point. I'm sure there's a great word there somewhere, and one of you will be spiritual enough to tell it to me after church. Thank you for it in advance. I'll smile and be kind. What's the point of Pentecost? Why really, what, what, what happened? Let me give you three things. Number one, church community was formed. Look in verse 44, Acts 2. And all those who had believed were together and they had all things in common. There's our word for the year, church community. They had things in common. They, they became one together. They, it doesn't mean that, that they all looked alike. It, it just meant that, that they were together. They were community. They had things in common. Everybody. Hey, listen to me, church. Look. See, we're not all the same. Uh-uh, but well, we got one thing in common. How many people in here are over 70 years old in this service? You're 70 or older. Pretty good smattering of people. How many of you are 30 or younger? Okay, yeah. There's stuff that 30-year-old crowd knows that 70-year-olds haven't got a clue about. And vice versa. How many of you between 30 and 70? Yeah. What I'm telling you is the church is not just a bunch of old folks. It's not just a bunch of young folks. It's not just a bunch of boomers or millennials. The church is made up of people who have repented of their sin and come to faith in Christ. And we have all things in common. And the one thing we have in common is that we have bowed at the foot of the cross. Amen. The, the point of Pentecost is that 
there's church communities been formed. Number two, not only is church community formed, but church unity is found. We, we are one together in the Lord. You get down to verse 46 and you'll find that uh, in the text where they were all together. They, they were unified. It, it doesn't mean they were uniform, that everybody did the same thing. I'm the only, I'm the only staff member at Olive's got on a tie today. We don't all dress alike. We don't all look alike. That's not the point. It's not the external. It's the internal. I got ready to come to church this morning. I was all dressed, but I didn't have these shoes on. These shoes hurt my feet. (laughs) They're the most expensive pair of shoes I have in my closet. They cost a ton of money. I had on my uh, cool shoes, the black shoes with the white soles, you know, got the white deal down here. They're soft. I like them. And I started out the door, and my wife said, I don't like your shoes. I said, what what do you mean? She said, well, from your knees up, you're formal. From your knees down, you're casual. It don't go together. So you, under my breath, I said, you probably don't like my beard either, but that's all right. <laughs> so I went back and looked in the mirror, and so I got off these old hard-soled devil shoes. And, <laughs> but it made everything uniform, okay? But now listen to me. The church. I'm not talking about uniformity. We don't all do it the same way. We don't all look the same. But we are united in Christ because we have all bowed at the foot of one Savior's cross and we worship at His throne together. We're one. 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 So when this church is is formed, the community is formed, there's church unit. And then thirdly, the church was put on mission. The church on mission is found. And, and the Bible says in verse 47, they were praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day by day by day by day those that were getting saved. There's a bunch of people got saved on that first Sunday, but then there's people got saved on Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoon. People got saved. I had a young couple come see me this week. I said, Pastor, I want to know if you'd do our wedding. And so we sat down. I said, well, okay. And we talked a little bit. And I said, now, there's two prerequisites. If I'm going to do your wedding, there's two things. I just have... You know, we can work around a lot of other stuff, but there's two things, two things uh, that are musts. Number one, the day you're going to have your wedding, I have to be in town. Okay? I, my calendar has to match up with your calendar. They said, well, we think you'll like it. It's, it's on a Friday. I said, you're talking my language. And so we got the date right. Then I said, there's a second thing. 
I said, I only do weddings for people that are followers of Christ. I, I can't unite what the Bible says not to do. I, I can't put together an unequal yoke saved and lost. I, I got to have two people saved to get together. I said, so I need testimonies. So we got testimonies. Young lady told me about today, wasn't a Sunday, she got saved. Vacation Bible school coming up. We talked about VBS a little bit and when she was saved, baptized. And I looked to her, I said, all right, sir, I, I need to get this out of you. And so he began to share with me about now, this old boy, is, his, uh, his goal, he's about to get out of school and go to medical school. His, his goal is to be a surgeon. And I had a little fun with him. I mean, I, I talked to him. Clint, I, I helped him a little. He's, he's an Auburn graduate. And, and I said, okay, well, you can, you, can, you can operate on Clint, but you can't operate on me, all right? That, we fun around a little bit. You see, the, the issue is not whether that man is a physician. The answer, the correct, the crucial point is, has he ever bowed at the feet of the great physician? That's the question. Have you come to Jesus? And he got there. Yes, pastor, I've done it. I was baptized after I was saved. Amen. I said, now we can, we can get down the road here. We can talk. I want to ask you today. Can you tell me? When was it you got saved? That's the prerequisite for joining the church. Salvation, baptism. Peter preached it. Repent. Trust Christ. He died for you. He rose for you. Be baptized. Be a part of the family. And the Lord was adding day by day by day. They were put on mission. Hear me, wherever you go tomorrow, you're on mission. When you go to work on Tuesday, you're on mission. Amen. You're on mission. Saw Top Gun this week. Well, was on mission, weren't they? Yeah, they had a mission. They had to hit the target and throw the bomb in the hole. Wow, movie. And I thought, Lord, if we'd all just get to church on mission, start hitting the target. The target's all around us. They're lost, and they just need the love of Jesus. I don't know enough. You do. If you've been saved, you know enough. Keep a track in your pocket, a witness in your heart, Jesus on your lips. You're on mission. That's what happened at Pentecost. He set them on fire and they were on mission and they were getting saved day by day by day by day by day. And today is a day and it can be your day to trust Jesus. Amen. If you won't say it, I will. I'll amen myself. I've, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Now, I'm just telling you that people all over this place need to get saved today. Okay? Don't get nervous. I'm not going to touch you. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you for a testimony. I'm just going to ask you, do you know the blessed Lord? That's what I need to know. Isn't that right, Chad? It's what we preach. That's, amen. It's what we do. By the way, are you saved? When did you get saved? I was uh, 15 years old. 15. Amen. That's one of our staffers. I'm just checking him out here to make sure he's all right. 
okay? Hey, I, I'm just, hear me. My Lord, it's, it's the most important thing you're doing all your life. You will die. It's coming. Philip, I'm telling the truth. It's coming. But you got to get ready. And this church has got to be on mission. That's why the Spirit of God came. It's not some religious club. Let me check into for an hour and then go home. I'm just, it's, it's 24-7. Tim, didn't I see you back there? Were you? Yeah, okay. I didn't know if you came today or not. He sent me a text this morning. He's behind a train. I didn't know if he ever got to church or not. Tim's been working on an old boy, sharing with him. He got us a free lunch this week out of it. I mean, now that's good gospel presentation right there. You, you, you talk to the cook and get a free lunch and share the gospel. Now that's doing church right there. Amen. And so we did that this week. Dear Muslim man, we've just come to love him. Amen. He loves us. He comes to church here from time to time. He's not here today. He's gone to get married. An arranged marriage in Jordan, Amman. <laughs> the longer I live, the more I'm for that. John told me this morning he is for it 100% with his three boys. He said he, if he let Angie pick the wife, it'd, it'd be good. Amen. That guy's out of a whole completely different culture than ours. But it's the same Jesus in it to him. Same gospel, save me or save him. Amen. That's why the spirit of the blessed Lord came and baptized the church and baptized you. The spirit of God's in you. And if you stay clean so the dove ain't flying off, he'll use you wherever you are. Amen. I'll amen myself. You, you're the deadest bunch I've been around a while. <laughs> I'll start raising my hand, tell you when to do it. Day by day, and today is one of those days. We sing this song in a minute, and that ground around that balcony up there. Gentlemen, just reach over and grab my hand and say, today's our day. 